0: Beloved in Christ, do you realize how many possessions you have? Do you have any idea how much stuff belongs to you? It's probably more than you realize. It's not just your bank balance and your retirement fund, tidy numbers you can point at and say, that's what I have. But all your possessions, all your worldly goods, it's a lot. People who move to a new house will realize this. If you've got the time, moving can take a while. You slowly pack the boxes and get everything ready for the big day, leaving out only whatever is vital. After weeks of packing, room after room, you can finally say, there, we've put away everything we don't need on a daily basis. And then it's almost embarrassing to see how, much, to see how little we need from day to day and how much is extra. Or maybe you've done an inventory of the contents of your home for the insurance company. You spent hours documenting documenting everything you have, and it's page after page of items, probably much more than you would have guessed. So how should we look at our possessions, our money in the bank, our car in the driveway, those things in our garages and on our shelves? What's it all for? Today we study the eighth commandment, you shall not steal. Straightforward enough. Yet God is concerned here with more than just cheating on your tax return or lifting a few $20 bills from dad's wallet. No, God's will also relates to the good use of our money and possessions. The Lord looks at these things not just negatively, but positively. And actually, the positive side is so much more important. How can we use God's good gifts for a good purpose? How can we spend and save and own in a way that brings honor to God? The Lord wants us to be stewards of everything that he's given, to treat it rightly and to use it wisely. We need that reminder often, for we're prone to being discontent with what we have and selfish in how we use it. Yet when it comes to our possessions, we're called to submit our lives to God's good law and the rule of our loving master. I preach to you God's word as it is summarized in Lord's Day 42. The outline of the sermon is Be a faithful steward of God's gifts to you. And then the points are the owner, the stewards, the assignment, and the rewards. It's nothing new that people take a wrong attitude to money and possessions. Sometimes we think of this as a modern problem or a Western problem, one that afflicts only those living in wealthy countries. But materialism is a sin that is almost as old as the world. Also, during his ministry, our Lord Jesus was confronted confronted with greed and theft and the worship of money, even among the people of God. Many of the people he spoke to didn't have much to their name, yet they still knew about the corrupting power of money. Money is a snare for rich as well as poor. That's why Jesus in the Gospels is often addressing the matter of our possessions. He knew, he knew that here God's people needed much instruction. To explain God's wisdom for life, Jesus used a teaching tool called a parable. He would portray familiar images and scenes from everyday life, scenes of farms or households or businesses. From that he would draw, draw some lessons for life in God's kingdom so that the people could clearly understand and hopefully remember. One particular image that Jesus used in his parables was the image of a steward. A steward was a common position in the daily economy of that time. A steward was an employee who had the job of managing the money and the goods that belonged to someone else. We still talk about stewardship today. For example, people emphasize our stewardship of the natural environment the air, the water, the land, and resources. We have an earth. We need to care for it and to protect it so that we can entrust it to our children and to those who come after them. In a real sense, that's true. It is God's earth given to us for safekeeping. So a steward serves the one who is the owner or holder of the goods. That's another person we meet in Jesus' parables, the master, a man of property and resources, For example, the parable in Luke 16 speaks about a certain rich man, in verse 1, who was the owner of a large estate who gave his steward control over everything he possessed. Likewise, we meet an owner in the parable of Luke 19, a nobleman who went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom, verse 12. This man, too, handed out large sums of money to be managed while he was away. Both men were wealthy, with power and influence, and servants to command. It's not hard to understand who these owners represent, for Jesus is teaching us about the kingdom of God. He's telling us about the giver of all good things. He's saying that as individuals, we're not the autonomous owners of what we have, free to do whatever we want. No, God the Lord is the owner of everything. This is a key scriptural teaching. For example, Psalm 24 begins this way, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, verse 1. The same truth is found throughout the Bible, like in Haggai 2. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. And why is this so? Why is it all God's? Psalm, Psalm 24 tells us, The earth is the Lord's, for he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Everything belongs to God because he made it. He has full rights to this universe and all that's contained in it. That means the Lord can do with it whatever he pleases. That's true on the wildest imaginable scale and true on the smallest scale. It's as large as the fortune of Bill Gates and it's as small as the $5 bill in your wallet. It all belongs to God. When it comes to our possessions, God can decide to give more, and he can decide to give less. He can build up, and he can ruin. As sovereign creator and governor, God needs, God needs to answer to no man, and all his ways are good. But whenever God gives out of his riches, those who receive it need to answer to him. For God's will is always supreme, and he sets forth the way to go for his creation and his creatures. That's why we have the Ten Commandments, after all, because the, the earth is the Lord's, the world, and all who live in it. We are his to command. And so as we look at the stuff piled in the shed and the garage and the storeroom, as we receive another pay for a month, as we drive home from worship in our shiny vehicle, even as we enjoy our evening meal, we humbly acknowledge that God owns it all, Everything that we possess is given by Him. So it's His, every bit of it. He's the owner, while we are simply the stewards, which is our second point. To understand the term steward, we can think of someone who's a manager, which is probably a more familiar term. A manager manager is placed in charge of a certain, a manager is placed in charge of certain duties, to diligently carry them out for someone else. For instance, you can have a manager at McDonald's, a person responsible to the boss for the conduct of the other employees and accountable for the good food that they prepare. Or you can have an office manager, someone who is to make sure that everything in the business runs smoothly. It's a helpful comparison to compare steward with manager, but a steward is more than a manager, for a steward is given greater responsibility. Managers usually have a job description that is highly detailed, and they're given checklists for almost every situation they will encounter. But to a steward, the owner will say, Here, I entrust to you this money, these resources, this property, to use at your discretion. Now, it's not for you to use however you want, because it is still mine. But from day to day, I'm giving you the freedom to make decisions about what to do and when to do it. This is the kind of mandate that God gave to Adam and Eve in the beginning, to rule and subdue the earth, to be fruitful and increase. They had almost limitless resources and the great freedom to use them to God's honor. Or think again of those two parables we read. In the parable of Luke 16, the steward was called to account. And notice how much had been entrusted to his supervision, vast amounts of inventory, Likewise, in Luke 19, the nobleman gave each of his servants ten minas, which was equivalent to the wages of several months. Jesus is saying that God has entrusted to each of us a large share of blessing. We have goods and resources and money, plus measures of time and talent and energy. God has given to each of us out of his great wealth, and he has called us to work faithfully as his stewards. Here we realize that God distributes wealth according to his will and wisdom. In the one parable, he gives every servant the same amount, one mina. But usually he gives different amounts to different people. We can see that some stewards among us have received more from God, while others have received less. When we see these differences, it's tempting to say that having plentiful money and fine goods are because of a person's education and skills, his hard work or business smarts. Or maybe we say that some wealth is the result of being in the right place at the right time. Such things might have had some influence on our present position. But then we also have to remember the biblical truth that every blessing is from God's hand. Everything we have, everything that we've received, given in grace. So, if we've got something in our bank account, some possessions to our name, and a position on this earth, God has given us a responsibility. And as His stewards, God gives us freedom a freedom to use these things wisely, to make responsible choices about them as we spend and save and acquire. Like in many areas of conduct as God's children, here God gives us a lot of liberty. It's up to us to decide how often we need to buy a new phone, or decide whether we should save more for retirement, or decide if we should make a generous donation to the school society. We're free. Yet in all these things, the choices that make everyday life go round, we must conduct ourselves as those working for the master. When you look at your most valued possessions, and when you consider the value of your home, and you pursue the investment statements, sorry, and when you peruse the investment statements, do you honestly see it all as given by the Lord? When you earn your salary at the office or your hourly wage at Subway, do you consider that even these dollars were entrusted to you by God? Do you understand that you need to care for these earthly things to God's glory and for your neighbor's good? It's important then to know what God has entrusted to you. Take an inventory to see not how much you have, but to see how much you can do. And don't limit that to your bank accounts and your physical assets. What kind of gifts do you have as a person? What kind of time do you have in your week? And what kind of energy and skills and experience are yours? God has given all of us an endowment, and with that endowment, he's given a calling. Maybe you're not highly paid. Maybe in one sense of the word, you don't have much on the inventory list, not much beyond the essentials. And yet, we've all received. Every one of us has been granted gifts out of the generosity of God the Father. We are the Lord's servants, and we've got a job to do. The next point is the assignment. So what's a steward to do? In Luke 19, the wealthy man called his servants together and gave them a pile of cash. Do business till I come, verse 13. That's the key instruction for a steward. Do business for me, put my my goods to work. The master would be gone for a long while and while he was away, the stewards had to use this money responsibly. They weren't supposed to squander it on pointless projects. They weren't supposed to spend it all on themselves. They weren't even supposed to save it for a rainy day. They were expected to use it wisely, because one day their master was going to return. And the master was coming back with a kingdom. When he got back, he wanted his servants to have prepared for his rule. They had to be strategic with what they received, to use his gifts with a view to his purpose and his priorities. It's still true today. It's still the primary work of a steward. As the catechism says, God forbids all greed and all abuse or squandering of his gifts. That's question answer 110. God's gifts are not for our personal hoarding. so that we can have a retirement that lacks nothing. His gifts are not to be wasted because we've accepted the motto that you only live once. God gives not so that we can build our own little kingdom, but so that we can build his kingdom. Do business till I come, says the Lord. He's away right now, but he's going to return. And until then, he wants us to be busy preparing. So we must use our possessions in the ways that the giver desires. Yet he wants us to have our daily bread, the necessities of life. But he also wants us to help the needy in the family of God and among all people. He wants us to spread the gospel in this world, and he wants us to build up the local church. Once you start thinking about it, you realize there's a lot we can do. For example, if you have a home, you can open open it up in hospitality to your fellow members. You don't need a spotless home to show hospitality or a gourmet meal ready to serve, nor does your hospitality have to be reserved for the people whom you already know. Have someone over who you don't know. Or if you have a wallet, even one with just $5 in it, You can open it and donate it for works of mission and mercy, or you can buy a a Bible or sponsor a child. Many or few, our possessions must be put to work in service of the king. Here, the Catechism teaches us to work faithfully so that we may be able to give to those in need, as summarized in question answer 111. We all know that the love of money can be the root of much evil. That's how, we're supposed to, that's how we're used to thinking of money, as something suspicious. But money can also be an important tool for working out God's plan. Think again of the parable of the shrewd steward in Luke 16. It's a difficult parable to interpret, for it seems to teach a selfish view of money. In it, the rich man leaves his servant in charge of all his goods. However, the steward was accused of dishonesty and presumably he had been dishonest. The steward knew that he would soon be out of work, and he wanted to make preparations for that day. So he reduced the amounts that were owed to his master. A debt of of 800 gallons of olive oil was reduced to 400. 1,000 bushels of wheat was reduced to 800, and so on. In this way, the steward figured that he could make some friends for himself, these people would be willing to help him out in the future just as he had helped them. What's troubling is that Jesus tells this parable without criticizing the steward. So, is Jesus saying that his dishonesty was okay? The reason he didn't criticize him is because the steward was legally entitled to act in his master's name. Remember, as a steward, he had the freedom to do what he wanted with his master's goods. That's how he could arrange, that's how he could change the IOUs. The master recognized this. The master recognized that this was a smart move, for it helped the steward's future cause. And what's the surprising lesson? Jesus says, Make friends for yourself by unrighteous wealth, that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. That's Luke 6, verse 19. Worldly wealth is not evil on the contrary jesus says that it can be used in a good way it can even be used in a way that has eternal value how could it for instance the needy whom whom we help with our gifts might come to praise the lord for our generosity or those in distant lands who hear the gospel because of what we give to mission might come to confess christ and live forever The children who learn about the Bible through our gifts to the school might become teachers and preachers of the Bible themselves, or they might raise God-fearing children of their own. These are everlasting returns. Money might be temporary, but it can produce outcomes that are eternal. This means that we've got a serious job. It's so serious that God requires that we give an account of our work. In Luke 19, the king calls the servants together to see what they've done with his gifts. One had earned ten times the amount. Another gained five times more than he started with. But another had done nothing. He was tested as a steward and he failed, and everything he had was taken from him. Beloved, what will the Master say about the job we have done? When we are called to account for how we've spent our pay and used our possessions, will God be pleased? Will he see that by our choices and priorities, we were trying to work for eternal goals? Will he see that we tried to build his kingdom? Or will God see wastefulness in the things that we bought? Will he see discontent and selfishness? Will he see that we were always reluctant to give, even though it all came from him? Once more, it doesn't matter how much we've been given by God— It doesn't matter where we're employed today or even whether we're bringing in a wage. Whatever our net worth, whatever our earthly possession, we are stewards who have received his gifts. And God expects us to do the job of a steward. If we do so, we'll earn his reward. That's the final point the rewards. We always hesitate to talk about rewards in God's service. It's all by grace, we humbly confess. God gives salvation freely, without any merit of our own, only for the sake of Christ. This is all very true. Yet we know from Scripture that God blesses those who are faithful. As one example, we can read in Malachi 3, how God urges his people to bring to him the whole tithe, the first fruits of their labor, He commands them to be good stewards of his blessings. He challenges them, and then he says, Test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. The Lord is saying that if we give to him, he'll give even more in return, rewarding our gratitude. That's what God is like. He is generous to the generous. We reap what we sow. Jesus taught the same lesson, saying that there's a sure reward for faithful stewards. After calling us to make good use of our possessions, he said in Luke 16, "'One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches?' In short, if we faithfully use what God entrusts today, He will entrust us with even greater things, true riches, for eternity. We can say it again that whatever we receive is by His grace. Yet God promises to recognize our sacrifices and to bless our labors. Our deeds will follow us from this life right into the next. This is why Christ tells us to lay up treasures for ourselves in heaven. Beloved, store up a great and lasting and heavenly reward. Store it up by being good stewards of what God has given to you here on earth. Dedicate all that you are and all that you have to God's glory and his kingdom. Take each one of his gifts, your time, your talents, your treasure, and put it to a good and holy use. For like in the parable, we want to hear the the king say to us on the day when he returns, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You remembered who it all belonged to, and you used it all for me. Now enter into the joy of your master. Amen. Uh, Let us sing from Psalm 73, stanzas 8 and 9.